Hello everyone, this is another edition of Lit Chat. This is Bonnie. And this is PJ. And today we are going to be discussing our group read, which we changed from the original. The original group read was going to be the wager, but we couldn't get enough copies right away. So we changed it to Killingly by Katherine Butner. Although so, I have a confession. So the wager just happened to fall into my laughs, the audiobook. And since it's been so hard to get, I decided to read the wager over Killingly. Okay. Um, and I have to tell you, it wasn't a hard choice to make. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to hear. Because Killingly was terrible. Re okay, so let's dive into this because I thought it sounded good. The summary sounded good and interesting. But yeah, well, until you got into the book and found out the <laughs> truth about the book. Oh. Killingly, Killingly is actually the name of the town in Connecticut where Bertha came from. Okay. And Bertha's the main character. Bertha is the girl who went missing. And this is historical fiction? Supposedly. Oh, no. It's one of those historical fictions that the author has made up so much of it that it's fiction. Oh, no. She basically, she tells you in her author's notes at the end of the book. I, some of this may be spoiler alert, but that's okay, because you really don't need to waste your time reading this book. <laughs> she tells you that she was researching, she was uh, uh, researching some through some microfiche to find something for someone else, a, a historical thing. And she was just skimming through microfiche, and this headline from 1897 happened to catch her eye about a missing college girl. Okay. And so she stopped and she read the author, and it was about this girl, Bertha, I can't even remember her last name, that she was attending college in Holyoke, Holyoke College, which is where young women went way back then if they wanted to pursue careers. She and her roommate were going to be doctors. They were eventually going to work together. And she tells you in the author's notes that, yes, Bertha was a real person. Her family was real. Her father was a minister. She did have an uncle who did have a episode and ended up committing suicide. Okay. Which all of this was brought out in the book to basically say that the family was unstable. Mmm. Cast an eye on them? Yes. Okay, there was a doctor who delivered Bertha when she was born that features prominently in the story as kind of a dirty old man character. Oh. That he had his eyes on Bertha. He basically stalked her. He would write her letters. He would come to visit her at the college and all of this stuff. Now, unbeknownst know, to her family. Do we know that this is true or is this just no, false? No, that was, that was purely fabricated. Oh, okay. This guy was real. He was a real doctor. Dr. Hammond was real. He was a cat fancier, which he is in the book. He, he went to cat shows and all. But that's the extent of the true. I don't know that I like that because just from head on, like if you are a relative and that's your ancestor, do you appreciate that they've made your ancestor into someone that's completely right. not? Also, it comes out in the story that supposedly 
Bertha's sister Florence is her mother, that it was an ancestral relationship with her father, who was a minister. There is no proof of this anywhere. The author tells you this. There is no proof of this anywhere. Now, there is a story that Bertha wrote for one of her classes. So Bertha is a real name of this person. Yes, Bertha is a real person. She was a real person that disappeared from Holyoke College in 1897. I have so many problems with this just on the basis of like if this were someone living today, that would be slander. Yeah, well Bertha wrote a story for her English class. It was a story that she wrote for her English class that was published in the newspaper when she disappeared, hoping that, I guess, maybe people would do like they did in the story, read it and try to figure out how much of the story was a autobiography okay. and how much of the story was just a story she wrote for her class. In the story, there was a young woman who worked at the mill during the summer, which Bertha did, met a young man at the mill, which Bertha did, supposedly, we don't know any of this for sure, uh, but according to the author. Okay. But this, uh, the story Bertha wrote, there was this young girl who met this guy at the mill. She ended up getting pregnant. They got married. They had the child. The mother commits suicide. And in the fictional story, mm-hmm. Bertha met a guy at the mill during the summer. She gets pregnant. Oh, Okay. So after she disappears, they use this letter as, maybe this is what Bertha did. She committed suicide somewhere. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, and obviously her roommate, author tells you, totally fictional. There was no Agnes ever. So the roommate is a totally fictional person who has a major role in this story. I don't understand. Like, to me, it's like, if you're going to fictionalize it so much why just don't you write just, a story just write a fictional exactly. book don't use a don't real say person it's historical don't so you got the idea from bertha yay but just write your own story because that's basically what she did yeah virtually none of this book other than the fact that a few of these characters like bertha and her family and dr hammond and the college was real and they did hire detectives, but not the detective in the story. The detective in the story was totally fictional. Okay. And some of the things they did to try to find her were factual. Like, they used to, like, uh, shoot cannonballs into the river if they thought somebody had drowned to kind of, like, force the body to come to the surface. Oh. So that was factual information. Okay. She never surfaced. To this day, nobody really knows what happened to Bertha. But this woman has a fictional thing to tell you of what happened to Bertha and it is not pretty. I mean, my concern with this is right from the beginning, if say that like, you know, cause was Bertha, she wasn't the only relative, right? She wasn't the, like she had siblings. She had a sister. Um, we'll use air quotes for that because according to the author, her sister was her mother. I just, there has to be, like, I, I would think that, like, her lineage lives on somehow. And I don't know how the family feels about their relatives, like, being 
Like I don't know if anybody out. is still alive because I don't think Florence had any more children. Okay. And Bertha certainly didn't have any more children. But even then, like, you know, cousin, you know, like, distant. There were there were relatives. They had an uncle, you know, who was supposedly a lawyer because he stepped in a couple of times in this story to kind of help with logistics of trying to find out what happened to Bertha. I mean... I do not know if he was real. The author doesn't indicate whether she said George was real or not. I'm glad that you're telling me this because... I would find it interesting if it was just its own story. I would, you know, I would give it a try. Um, But the fact that she purports it as being historical, historical, historically factual in ways. That's what I don't like because I want... Because it's not. I want to get... To invest yourself in real people and their stories... I mean, you get invested in it, right? You're reading about them. Yeah. Um, only for you to come to the conclusion that, like, you don't know what's real and what's not, and most of it isn't real. I mean, the author in the back of the book, in her author's notes, because normally, sometimes I don't bother to read author's notes. Yeah. But in this case, I did, because I'm, like, trying to figure out, why did you even write this book? And the first thing she tells you is that, Bertha was a real person. She did go missing from Holyoke College. But Agnes was a total fabrication. And Agnes had the biggest role in this book of anybody. That's a lot of liberties. Like, yes. It was way too take, much liberty. Authors take liberty to... But, but, but that's fact, too much. But the liberties that she took to say that this that their father, a minister sexually assaulted his daughter, got her pregnant. The mother was insane. I mean, that's, that's the doctor that Dr. Hammond was the one who delivered Bertha. Well, and that's also what I'm saying. Like whether she doesn't like even if she doesn't have family members that have survived, the doctor could have had family members. Right. And this doctor, after Bertha grows up, he like literally stalks her. He would go to he would write her letters telling her how much he Wanted to be with her. He would go to the college and take walks with her. How horrific would it be if you pass away and then years after you pass away, some author decides, oh, she was a real person, but I'm going to just make the like most awful like life. I'm going to I'm going to tell the worst possible story I can about this poor child. And I'll let them know that she was real. I'll <laughs> like, let them know that she was a real person, but that everything I'm telling you is false and fake. Wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that cuz like I said, when I read the summary of it, cuz of course, I don't pre-read these books. Right. You um, just read the summary like a lot of us do when we pick a Oh, this looks good. You read the summary, it sounds good. It sounded very interesting. It sounded sort of interesting to me reading the summary. It wasn't one I picked, but it sounded like, okay, this could be sort of interesting. A girl yeah. goes missing from the college, blah, 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 blah. It was not. Well, on the opposite of that, I did read The Wager by David Gran, who is becoming quite popular because his other book, I can never say The it, Killers right? of the Flower Moon. Yes. Had became a movie. And has gotten rave reviews. I mean, there's several of the actors that are up for 
Oscars. Grammys, Oscars, whatever well, it is. Um, Lily Gladstone, who plays the main character, she just got a Emmy, I think. Yeah, I think they just she had was like Emmy. the first Native indig- American yeah. Indigenous person to ever get nominated for and anything. And if she gets the Oscar, she will be the first. Which I love moments like that, but at the same time, why is it taking so darn long? Thank you for taking the words out of my mouth because I'm like what this is surely has got to be like someone's not doing their diligent research because somebody else had to have won that but not necessarily so I'm gonna be rooting for her because I like moments like this but I actually did get a copy of the book I got it from Baytown and my husband is reading it now my husband is a rather fast reader okay so just on his side It's taking him a while to slog through this. He finds it very interesting, Mm -hmm. but he said it is very hard reading. It is. um, I find it very interesting. It's definitely a very Debbie Downer book. I mean, we're talking about an English ship that is sent. It's a fleet of ships. They're sent to fight Jenkins' War, I think. So they're sent to fight against Spain in the Patagonia, like where Chile is. And they get shipwrecked. One of the ships gets shipwrecked, the wager. And they get shipwrecked in a very inhospitable, thank you, area. And so it's their struggle. It's kind of like the movie Alive. Have you ever seen that? Okay. It's about the Uruguayan um, rugby players and they're playing hits the Andy Mountains, and they have to survive, and it is, it's gruesome. The wager's the same. Okay. You're talking about cannibalism, things that the sheer, what people are willing to do. To survive. It's interesting. This book was very interesting to me because it, I always think, oof, if I was in a situation like that, I'd probably just give up, right? Yeah, I thought so too. But... The human will to survive is strong. You see it with some of these characters. The other thing that is very much true is how horrible humans can be to each other. We've been doing that for years. I mean, I'm not surprised, right? But you just like, I don't know. It's wishful thinking that in a situation like this, the worst wouldn't come out. Unfortunately, the worse the situation is, the worse comes out yes in a lot of cases and so they get stuck in this island a lot of the area uh now has names related to this shipwreck the island is named wager island and they get stuck and there's a lot of um characters who are creating trouble there's a lot of questions about whether the right decision was made by the captain and whether people should trust the captain or not so that creates um mutiny and they finally come to the point where they um a group of them most of them decide to mutiny and they decide that they're going to go and sail um to try to get like even though their enemy is spain they're going to sail to a colonized part and just surrender themselves to Spain. But they leave the captain behind and a couple of his men that are not willing to be a part of this. 
What I like about this book is Lord Byron's grandfather was part of this group. The and mutineers or the ones who stayed? He initially was a mutineer, and then he decided to go back to the captain because he was under the impression, the captain for the longest time, like, he was very gun-ho about sticking to his original plans to help the English army or navy win the war. And the men were like, that should not be your focus. Your focus needs to be how do we survive? So he ended up going um, on the mutineer side because he thought that um, they were going to have the captain come with them. So when he found out that the captain wasn't going to come with them, and they, they were just going to let him be in exile in this island, he decided to go back. Okay. Um, he took one of the ships, actually. The interesting part, okay, there is a part that I just think is funny, and but like also just like very sad. So while they're stranded in this island, a group of natives finds them. And this group of natives does everything for them. Provides them with food, teaches them how to make better shelters, um, teaches them what's edible, what's not. They have a pack of... It's funny because this area is very, like, cold, but the natives don't have much clothes on them. But it's because they know that, like, they rub, like, oil from seals, and so it keeps them warm. They've got dogs to keep them, like, warm. And so they've got it good. But because the English don't know how to behave. And mind you, the English are at this point, you know, anyone that's not English is like a heathen, right? A savage. Right, yeah. Because they can't behave themselves and because of just how horrible they are, the Indians decide to leave them. They pick up and they leave. Because they're like, oh no, we don't want anything to do with these. Well, good for the Indians. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) all right. (laughs) If they don't want your help, Fine. They wanted the help, but the men were also starting to, like, try to rape the women. And they were just misbehaving, and they were starting fights and stuff. So it's like, they wanted the help, but they just also didn't know how to behave themselves. So the indigenous people just ended up leaving. So they were back in square one. Now, what makes this... But at least now they need to rub seal oil on themselves to stay warm. I don't know if they did or didn't. Like, I don't know if that was, like... <laughs> if that was a, a, a thing Because they still very the, much depended the on Indians clothes. Indians passed on. Yes. One of the sad stories is the grandfather of Lord Byron. I want to say his name is John Byron. John Byron is 16. Once the Native people leave, they've left one of the dogs behind. And the dogs are very prized, so it must have been a mistake on their part. Right. This dog takes a liking to Byron, and Byron starts to, like, become friendly with it. One day, a group of men are like, we need your dog. And he's like, why do you need my dog? And he's like, we're going to kill it, and we're going to eat it. And so Byron's like, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Please don't kill my dog, because the dog was providing him warmth. So unfortunately, they do end up killing the dog. How sick. Yeah, Um, which is not the sickest thing they do because then there's also cannibalism. You don't go into much detail about that, thankfully. But what makes it even more interesting in the story is that the mutineers start with 84 people, and by the time they reach England, or first they reach the Spanish colony, there's like 20 or something. Well, they lost a lot in just that short 
distance. Yeah. Well, and like, because they were already in bad um, condition. They were scurvy, and then a lot of people, like, some just went mad. But also, they were going in like three ships, and they're not like your Navy ships. They're like little rinky-dinky ships. One of them... They were probably the... Was the, destroyed. Quote-unquote lifeboats yes. from the ships. One not of, the actual ships. They were just the small One of them was boats. destroyed. And so they decided, well, we don't have enough room for all the men. So they make a stop to get water and supplies. And then they leave some of them without even telling them. And this mutant, like the head of the mutineer is like Buckley. We know a lot because of his journals. He writes in his journals, and you could just tell that he's writing, but he's also making sure to that he writes it in a way that... It's not his fault. Yes, because <laughs> mutiny could get you killed. Right. So he's like, I gave the captain the option of coming. He didn't want to. I did this and that. So they actually end up arriving. They finally make it to England. And they're all kind of worried, like, oh, no, are we going to be seen as mutineers? Are we going to get blamed? A couple of, like, I I don't know. Like, there's a time span that goes by. Start feeling comfortable. And then guess who arrives? The captain. Captain Cheap. I think it's Captain Cheap. Oh, yeah. And he's got a whole other different story about how this came about. And so now it's who's right, who's wrong, what are going to be the consequences? And the book does tell you what the consequences are, but I'm obviously not going to tell you. It's a little bit of a hard read because I feel like um, sometimes there's so much detail. And then also there's so many men that just kind of remembering who's who in the story. But it's definitely very interesting. It's definitely not a happy story. And it's, I mean, I will just let you know that um, Martin Scorsese, and um, Leonardo DiCaprio will be making a movie on this. Again. Well, another one. Yeah. Okay. It was really interesting. It was really interesting, but it's a tough story. And unlike your book, this one has a lot of facts. Well, this is, this is, the wager is nonfiction, too. It is nonfiction. It is not purported as being historically fiction. He does a great job of doing research, so much so that he actually ends up going to Wager Island because he wants to get a description of the island. And um, one of the cool things that he says is, like, you go to the island and you can still see remnants of the wager because you can see, um, like, long wooden pieces that have iron nails in them. Right. It was really interesting, and um, it really makes me want to read all of the rest of his books because just looking at the rest of his books, like, they have really interesting subject matters. So, yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, that's our talk for the day. And PJ has some very sad news for the rest of us. Sorry, guys, but this will be my last Lit Chat podcast. I am leaving... We started this podcast because of COVID, and I've enjoyed every moment of it. I've enjoyed giving you guys my views and opinions and listening to Bonnie's views and opinions. Sometimes we... We've enjoyed listening to yours as well. At least I have. Thank you. It's always interesting 
when you take a book and you like it, but the other person doesn't, and it just gives you a different perspective, and then you realize like, oh, well, no, she's right about that, or、mm, I thought I liked it, but now when she brings that up, like. I will miss you guys, and I want to thank you guys for listening. We have no idea if the podcast is going to continue after this one. Yeah,、um, it just is going to depend on who takes over and what they want to do. But for those that have been listening to us, I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. I will miss you guys, even if I never met you. I will miss you guys. Thank you. And that's all we have for today. Be safe. This is Bonnie. This is Mary Jane. Bye. Bye.